Jesus to My Rescue offers powerful, motivational content for the whole family. Visit our website now at www.jesustomyrescue.com. Join our Christian community today. For a single person, seeking that special someone and longing to be married can become a central focus of your life. But like all of us, whether single or married, what's most important is trusting God. And if you are walking with God and you believe in his providential hand, then you have to also believe that your life is in his hands and that as you follow him and obey him, you can be at ease where you are while you wait for what's next. Dr. Tony Evans joins us on today's episode of Focus on Family along with Lisa Anderson, who heads up our Boundless Ministry to address the topic of seeking God's will as a single. Your host is Focus President Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, a woman wrote to us recently and said that she hears so many programs about marriage on our broadcast, which I think is a good thing. We do a lot of those. Uh, But she wishes that we would specifically address more uh, single topics at times. And I can understand that request, and we do try to present variety in the program. And we also put a lot of effort into our Boundless Outreach And Lisa does a fantastic job on The Boundless Show, a successful podcast and radio program specifically for singles. I recently went to Dallas, Texas to discuss what it means to cultivate a healthy single life. And I think you'll appreciate the open and honest dialogue um, we had with Lisa and Dr. Evans. And Dr. Evans, of course, the senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas. Uh, Among the many books he's written is one called... Kingdom Single. Let's go ahead and begin today's conversation. Tony, thanks for joining us again at Focus on the Family. It's always a joy, a privilege, an honor, and an opportunity to That's be it. with you and Focus. <laughs> well, we're down here in Dallas. You're kind of home stomping ground, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dallas has been my home for over 40 years, and um, we, we love it here in Dallas. But uh, but we like when we visit Colorado, too. That's a nice place. It's mostly the playground for those in Dallas. <laughs> That's, right. That's, right. That's Colorado for you. Tony, uh, research shows that about half of the population is single. Um, that may be a shocking number. Uh, Lisa, you represent that half <laughs> as I a do. single. I do. Represent. And uh, as many as 90% of those singles, though, uh, would like to be married someday. But you're concerned that too many singles miss something that God has for them right now. Uh, what is it? Well, when you are looking forward to something that has not yet happened, then you can miss the now that God has for you. When God created uh, the first human being, they were created, uh, Adam was created as a single man. He wasn't created, Adam and Eve, as a couple. Right. And he was given a purpose in God's creation prior to his even knowledge of a female who would become his wife. And God expected him to be fulfilled and fully free in his singlehood until God told him that I got somebody else for you. If Adam would have been focused on the somebody else prior to maximizing his created calling, then he would have missed out on that time that he had with just him and God before God gave him a mate. So I'm concerned that far too many singles are living too frustrated, too discontent because they're not maximizing the now while they still anticipate the later. 
Yeah. Now, Lisa, with Boundless, uh, this is your area. You have hundreds of thousands of single people uh, tapping into Boundless and communicating with you. What do you see in that regard? Is there this discontent? I think there is, and I think it's largely because they've been um, pressured either by the church, by the culture, by their parents, by themselves, to think that they will have not arrived until they are married. So somehow they're in this waiting room, this waiting season to become the thing that they are supposed to become, and they can't fully do that apart from marriage. And so uh, there is frustration in that, and they feel like, okay, should I put my life on hold? Should I wait? Should I be sad? Should I just try to ignore it? Um, What part do I play? What part does God play? And so it breeds a lot of confusion and, I think, discouragement. Tony, in that regard, being a pastor, um, how do you think God views the single person and then how God views the married couple? Is there a difference the way he views it? So maybe our expectation is a little out of alignment? Well, it it is. First of all, God expects me and you and every person to be under his rule in the state that they are in. Uh, We are not to allow another state to change how he relates to us. So if you're married, he has guidelines for that. If you're single, he has guidelines for that. And in both states, you're supposed to be fulfilled and fully free. You know, uh, going back to the first person, Adam, God told him, you know, from every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. The first use of freedom in human history came from God and it came to a single person. And he commanded him to enjoy every tree in the garden. So there was only one tree he couldn't enjoy, and that was a tree in the midst of the garden. He was commanded to enjoy all the other trees. It's getting focused on that one tree that can mess you up from enjoying all these other trees that are available to you. So God has a lot of freedom, a lot of joy, a lot of excitement for the single person if they will stop living for this one tree that they don't have right now. That is really good. I thought so. Yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful (laughs) metaphor for life, isn't it? Absolutely. What in us draws us to the one thing we can't have, and that usually is something that's harmful to us? Why do we do that? Well, they did it because of Satan. So, uh, And why do we do it? (laughs) We do it for the same reason. There are legitimate desires that are within the will of God, uh, but God wants to manage how those desires are executed and when those desires are executed. And what he has given the single person is a lot more trees to enjoy than they realize. And because they're not focused on that, but the enemy can point them to this one area and drift that desire in one direction, causing them to lose out on all that God wants to do in, to, through, for, and by them as his kingdom representative as a single Christian. In your wonderful book now, Kingdom Single, um, what does it mean to be a kingdom-minded single? Well, kingdom, of course, folks would know this. Uh, <laughs> kingdom man, <laughs> kingdom couple. Yeah. So uh, kingdom is the unifying theme of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, there's really only one message, the glory of God through the advancement of his kingdom. The word kingdom means rule. So God wants to rule all that he created. So when it comes to being single, a single Christian is a Christian who has committed themselves to live out their completeness under the rule of God. Single, they are unmarried, but they're also complete. You know, I use the illustration in the book of uh, when I was talking to a group of singles, I had two keys and I put them on a key ring. And then I uh, took one of the keys off the key ring. I said, now, is 
this key still a complete key, even though it's no longer on a ring? Or has it lost its completeness because it's not with this other key? And, of course, everybody said, well, it's still complete. And I said, and so are you. You're a complete person regardless of whether there's a ring on. Single means unique. Single means one of a kind. And that is who you are. And when you begin to look at yourself that way, then marriage becomes a bonus. It doesn't become a defining uh, essence for who you are and how you view yourself or how you're to let other people view you. Boy, that is so well said. And I hope people who are in the single stage are catching that. Lisa, describe for us, you know, some of us have been married a while, and singleness was a long time ago, and you're living the dream. I am. <laughs> so one just, thing I love about what Tony says in the book is he talks about um, being single puts you in the best spiritual position or the best why? spiritual condition. I love this because you're not divided. You get to live undivided in devotion, in attention, in your purpose, and how you live it out. And it is so freeing to realize that, I mean, not that married people are necessarily dysfunctional or scattered or whatever. <laughs> Wait a bad, second now. <laughs> but, but we have the opportunity, and I've seen this lived out, to be uh, kind of single-minded in that sense. And it's, it's well, a benefit. You know, let me ask you this, Tony. Uh, studying this, being single, now being married 40 years to your wonderful wife. I 48. Think, oh, 48. Oh, yeah. Don't, oh, don't, well, don't take away my you now are definitely an expert. <laughs> but when you, when you look at the function of marriage, so often I've said on the broadcast here that it seems obvious that the Lord has done this in part to knock out the selfishness in each one of us. That's one of the benefits of marriage, although it's one of the most painful things of marriage. It shows you how selfish you are. Absolutely. So in the 180 degree opposite of that for a single, how do they guard against being selfish and some of those attributes, good attributes that you learn in marriage? How do you as a single guard against those trappings of being single? Just because you're single doesn't mean you have to be alone. And that's why God builds community. It is one of the worst things a single Christian can do. Any Christian, but especially a single Christian is to allow your singleness to put you in isolation. God wants you in community. He wants you uh, serving. He wants you benefiting others. And when you are fulfilling your calling under God, generally as a Christian and then specific to you, given your gifts, talents, skills, uh, then you are engaging with other people, which fights against that selfishness. The problem is we live in a me generation where people are focused on themselves, which is against the kingdom of God. You are actually keeping God away. If you are only focused on me, myself and I. Mm. So what God wants is he wants you and me to be engaged in the unique thing that he has us to do for his kingdom. And in that he joins us to root out some of the things in us that need to be transformed. And that sounds like revival <laughs> I mean, when you move closer to that uh, center, God-centered life. Uh, Tony, out of Scripture, you take a couple of examples. I think Joseph and Ruth. Uh, what impresses you about them and their singleness? Well, Ruth, she fulfills, what is it, Luke 6.38. It says, give and it will be given to you, which most people leave out the main word there is the word it. The thing you want and the thing you need, give to somebody else. It is the it that you give. So whatever the it is that you are needing for you, offer it to somebody else while you wait for it to boomerang back to you. So 
she gave a relationship to Naomi and she got one from Boaz. So it is using what God has given you in your singleness to serve somebody else. And let's see how God boomerangs that back for you to be served in another way. So it shows me the servant heart. And that's what Boaz noticed, by the way, her serving heart to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And then Joseph, who goes through this uh, 13-year up-and-down scenario in his life. It's bad one moment, it's better the next moment, then it goes left the next moment, and then he thinks he's getting better, and then he's forgotten, and it's on and on and on. But it's the Scripture says he stayed in this up-and-down single state, then it says, until the time. God has got his hand on the clock and he knows when the bell should go off, if the bell should go off and when the bell should go off. So Joseph, it says, even when things were not going well, the Lord was with him. So the good news for a single is even if it's not working out, even if you're struggling with temptation, like Joseph had to face Potiphar's wife, even when when you uh, don't know if you are going to make it in this state. You should be able to say, God is with me. And if God is with you, he will take you and meander you from where you are to the place you ought to be in a way that brings him glory and brings you good. Lisa, when you hear that, how do you react as a single? I mean, does this resonate with you? Yeah, it's like, why didn't I hear this 15 or 20 years ago? And maybe I did, but just didn't understand it or just didn't apply it to myself. But it is very, um, you know, I, I think I've realized just in recent years how in reading scripture, yeah, to deny ourselves and to take up our cross is not just for married people. To serve others is not just for married people. We are all called to grow and to sacrifice and to be in a spot where we're fully trusting God with what we have and with what we don't have, quite frankly. And so, yeah, for those who are struggling financially, what does it look like for them to give back and to do that uh, selflessly and to do it joyfully? And so I think the principles, as you practice them, now they're hard to walk out because, again, it's trust. You know, you have to trust God with where you are right now Um, But in doing that, you see great reward. Let me ask about the angst that so many singles seem to have. I'm not saying everyone, but uh, Lisa, there does seem to be this constant pressure, maybe coming from your parents even, you know, honey, when are you going to get married? I can hear that. Mm -hmm. And how do you process that so that you feel confident still that God is with you? God does hear your desires and he cares about you because I would think that I mean, after you've gone 10 years wanting to be married, maybe you're hitting 30, 32, and maybe 40, and that has not been answered. How do you maintain that hope that God knows where you're at and the bell hasn't gone off yet, as Tony described, and you have to stay uh, inspired by him and in love with him, even though that deepest desire is not being met? Yeah. And I wouldn't say, you know, there's not like a huge diss on married people here where it's like, oh my goodness, they all just think I'm a train wreck and whatever. Most married (laughs) people, if they have good marriages, want me to have what they have. They don't understand my story. And so they're like, surely, you know, if you get married, you're going to have this great relationship like I have. And that is fabulous. But in that is implied, and I've heard this in the church too, that because I'm not married, I might be incomplete or I might be wounded or I might be, you know, not, there are just a lot of issues I think around that. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, whoa, I feel like I'm constantly doing a PR campaign for myself to be like, no, really, no, really. Like God's got this. God understands. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, two illustrations in my family, I dedicated this book to my wife's two sisters Mm. who are both single. One is over 60, one is over 70. Never married, 
virgins. How is that possible? If you were to ask them, they would tell you their love affair with the Lord Jesus Christ has run so deep and their fulfillment in their calling because they're both serving the Lord is so rich that they'd rather be single than somebody coming in and messing that up. Huh? <laughs> and they are looking forward to the day when they present themselves. If God doesn't give them a mate before the Lord as pure virgins mm-hmm. and receive the reward for their faithfulness, but they're not miserable. They, if God brings somebody, it's fine, but they are full of joy. They're happy all the time, you know, and that is because Christ has become so real and their ministry so rich that they can be fulfilled kingdom singles because everything they do operates under the covering and rule of God in their lives. And it's beautiful. I mean, that's the way it should be. Tony, Describe for me that difference with gender. I mean, that may be more easily done for a woman than maybe a single man. How do you recommend for single men to be able to manage those physical impulses? Well, first of all, a man has to understand that, you know, in in kingdom man, (laughs) we talk about the fact that the definition of a kingdom man is a man who's operating under the rule of God in his life. And so Adam was a man. Okay. What kept him under control, so to speak, was the fact that he was fully operating in naming things. I love the naming because what naming is to exercise authority in the Bible. When a man can be mannish in his realm and express that energy in other positive ways under the rule of God, he can manage his libido in a responsible way and not leave a bunch of bruised women in the wake of satisfying their sexual urges because they have to answer to the one to whom they're ultimately responsible while fulfilling their naming uh, agenda that God gives a man to do. That is powerful and well said. There's a bit of humor in that, though, because I'm thinking maybe that was the point where God decided Adam needed a woman. Well, it was the point. Adam Adam probably went, did anybody write this down? (laughs) (laughs) He was just naming. (laughs) Nobody wrote it down. Let me uh, turn to really a deep comment that you make in the book, and I want you to explain it further for us. Uh, You believe that God has designed each of us to live in what you called biblical freedom, released from illegitimate bondage. I mean, we can think deeply about that. What are you driving at? Well, we are allowing um, things to hold us hostage that are outside of the will of God. We allow certain people to hold us hostage. We allow our past to hold us hostage. We allow our sexuality to hold us hostage. That's illegitimate bondage. God wants you to be in bondage to him. And whenever anything else can trump that, that's called illegitimate bondage. And illegitimate bondage will always impede on freedom. Freedom gives you the right to enjoy the goodness of God in your life. When you submit to illegitimate bondage, you trump the enjoyment of God's work in your life. So what a lot of singles, marriage too, but what a lot of singles are doing is they're blocking God 
from fully expressing to them the fullness that they can have. Jesus called it the abundant life because they're allowing illegitimate bondage to keep them from the rest of the trees in the garden. Yeah. Before we leave today, and I want to come back next time if we can do that, pick up the topic, continue to talk about singleness. But this idea of discontent, uh, our culture is rife with discontent. And this area particularly uh, can be the root of it, that God's not answering my prayer, that you just get filled with discontent. And it's easy to do because the culture is fueling it as well. So how does a single not become discontent with their singleness and with their state in relationship to God? Well, first of all, the one who talks about content and discontent is uh, a single man, the Apostle Paul. And uh, <laughs> and uh, things weren't going well when he said it. You know, he's in jail when he, when he says it. So he's single, he's alone, he's in jail. And he says that he had to learn to be content. He had to learn it because contentment is, like you said, uh, often doesn't come very naturally to us. And that sounds like a, a journey. It's not like it that's happens right, that's in right. an instant. But it is a lesson that has to happen in a couple of ways. One, you have to be willing to learn it. And secondly, you have to recognize that God is going to put you in experiences to teach it. <laughs> so, right. so it's a learning situation. But the one thing that enabled uh, Paul in his singleness to learn contentment was his knowledge of the providence of God. The providence of God is his invisible hand steering behind the steering wheel of your life. And God knows how to bring things in, to take things out, to uh, make relationship opportunities, to take relationship opportunities away. And if you are walking with God and you believe in his providential hand, then you have to also believe that your life is in his hands and that as you follow him and obey him, you can be at ease where you are while you wait for what's next. Contentment is simply being satisfied where you are. It doesn't mean not having the desire for more. It is saying you're not controlled by a desire for more. Right. That is good. And Lisa, how does that live out? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's just understanding and preaching myself every day that God is both all powerful and all good. So he has all the power to accomplish what he wants. And he has my best interests, both for now and for eternity. Um, at heart. And I remember in my 20s, you know, I just kind of uh, was too busy with my career and I was kind of believing the script of what everyone told me of just, you know, okay, Lisa, um, you know, singleness, it's a problem to be solved. We need to get you, you know, hitched. We need to make this happen. We need to find someone great. Um, and, you know, and it, it kind of the script of like, you know, you cannot possibly enter your thirties not having had sex or not having been in a relationship. And then I get into my thirties and so I'm like desperate and I'm like trying to make up for lost time. And I'm just dating, okay, are you a Christian? Okay, I better go out with you. And it was just frantic and nutty. And, and I feel like a, a switch flipped as I hit 40 and it was like, you know what? I will never have the story of my friends. I will never be a homeschooling mom driving kids in a minivan. I will never be that is past. And so now it's almost this expectant joy of like, what will God do? What could this look like? And it may be that I remain single and I stay content in that. And that's a process. Or it may be that I get married in the future. But I just feel like knowing that God has got this, that he has my back, that he cares about me. And he has a story that I cannot even anticipate helps me walk. Well, see, each that's day. a providential perspective. 
because now I know God's going to give you a husband with who already has kids, <laughs> and he's going you're going to be able to be that driver around. <laughs> Tony already <laughs> prayed for my husband, you guys. Before I did. We started taking I, did. Me. I did. I did. Yes. And we do that at church. We pray that, and when we're specifically asked to pray, and we have seen God answer that prayer. We yeah. have seen God answer. I just got a call the other day who told me after five years, this is a guy, after five years that God has brought, and he is, for the first time married, 55 years old. Wow. Mm-hmm. Tony, Lisa, uh, let's come back next time, pick up the questions. Uh, This is really good. I think people are benefiting. Hopefully moms and dads are benefiting with their adult children who are still single. It's kind of a common thing today with half the population not married. And more moms and dads need to pray for their children's mates rather than complain that they don't have one. I agree. I agree. Let's do it. What a good conversation that Jim Daly had with Dr. Tony Evans and Lisa Anderson on today's episode of Focus on the Family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening in. I'm John Fuller. I really love Tony Evans' illustration of the trees in the Garden of Eden and how if we only focus on the forbidden fruit, we forget to enjoy all the other trees in the garden. There was so much truth packed into today's discussion, and I hope that you grabbed hold of the charge to stay connected and to focus on being who Christ created you to be. If you're single and feeling incomplete or even like a second-class citizen in Christian circles, Dr. Tony Evans in his book Kingdom Single wants to encourage you to live fully where you are. Kingdom Single will encourage you to see yourself as complete in Christ and free to serve Him. It'll empower you to live as kingdom men and women in a corrupt culture. You'll find Kingdom Single on our website at safamily.co.za or call us on 031-716-3300. I'm Graham Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa. Thanks for being with us and please join us for the conclusion of our program tomorrow when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.